0: Okay, now we're rolling, and today we have Frank Bond. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, over, Taylor. Great, of course. Yeah. So the new album sounds great. We were just talking about it a little bit before we started up passages. Yeah. And one of the things that I noticed with it, the production is really interesting because it reminds me, uh, like I was telling you, of when like Damon Albarn gets a little bit weird. You know, like I hear some like similar sounds to, like think tank on there, and also some of the stuff from the gorillas was that an influence on this album
1: yeah definitely blur and Damon Albarn in particular are are important influences uh for me um and, and they're one of my favorite bands from the from the 90s um, so yeah absolutely I mean I mean the 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 weirder stuff definitely comes from from bands like that um also, I think Milk Hotel is, is one that I, I like to mention because it's one of those important influences. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's such a huge—I mean, I can I can mention so many names that that influenced me. Um, but I think those two would be good from from the like the '90s era to to yeah. mention. Uh, and then from the '60s, there's there's a lot, of course, as well. I mean, from ranging from Beatles to Buffalo Springfield to Kings to um, uh, Love uh, and Arthur Lee. Um
0: doors a lot really. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I totally know what you mean. Yeah, you can definitely uh hear it on the album. The the other interesting thing, uh you seem to have a lot of theatricality to this album. What was the inspiration for that? Uh well all
1: no, all, I wanted to create a record that was um I like conceptual records in a way because like with the concept you can you can get yourself uh, it's like a challenge, you know, you challenge yourself to go into new directions and for me every new record I, I, I take a new approach whereby I have heteronyms and, and it's like a pseudonym but it's like a, a character that I've designed that is very much like me but still uh, different. So whenever I release a record it's it's under a different name uh, and for this one it's, it's Francis Alvin Blake who's gone missing in 2018 um, and... Um, um, yeah, uh, the, the question you asked was the, theater, the theatricality. Yeah. Of the um, yeah. I think I think the best way to put it is that I wanted to create an album or record where it kind of feels that there's a story, but then when you when you listen to the songs closely, there's you know there's not really a plot, but uh, the plot can be made by the listener um uh, individually so every listener will have his own uh his or her own um yeah sort of interpretation of,
0: of what the songs convey. Yeah for sure and that's that's what the beauty of music is like I feel like Bruce Springsteen he does that well where he makes the like concept records but more in theory than in story if that yeah, makes I, sense. I think that's a good um yeah that makes sense. So um, one of the things that I was kind of interested in, I saw some live videos of you playing and there's this whole, like before you even come out to start playing, there's like this spooky voiceover and like all these bells, like handbells are ringing. Is that some kind of pagan ritual? What exactly is that?
1: Yeah, I've had some people saying, uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to come to the show because it's all pagan, you know, uh, yeah. which is good. But the thing is, so for the listeners, and, and, and is that, that this album comes with, um, or at least in an album, it, it came for uh, for a lot of people with a ritual chest. So there's a chest, and there's a set of rituals in there, uh, ranging from um, the bell, the handbell that you mentioned, to uh, sage and tea and wine. And um, there's like several steps in the ritual and they have to do um, um, movements dance movements and if they do it in the right order uh, Francis will appear. Um, so what you saw is, is this every show that we do starts with a ritual so people have to do the dance movements and then uh, it is you know they'll have to see if, if Francis uh, appears uh, which actually did on the on the first show that we did and he didn't appear in, in person unfortunately but he did. Uh, yes, appear in, in audio, as you uh, as you mentioned, and you can do the, the dance movements at home. Um, and um, yeah, if you like, I can send you a link to the, the dance movements and, and they represent each dance movement represents the uh, the senses.
2: Interesting.
1: Uh, and if you if you um, yeah, if you do them wrong, you'll turn into a cat. So you have to make sure you, uh, you do them right
0: because you don't want to turn into a cat. Well, some people do. So the- <laughs> I was going to yeah, so- say, I really like cats.
1: Yeah. Same here. Yeah. And sometimes, and sometimes when I see my cats, I'm like, Oh man, I wish I had a life like them. So, so if you, if you want to turn cats, do the the rituals
0: wrong. Well, you you don't know, maybe your cats perform the dance rituals wrong. Uh, Who knows? Who knows? Maybe that's where they came from. Um, so
1: yeah, I mean, as you can tell the, the, the show, but also the, the record has this ritual to it. And, um, for me, it's part of uh, conveying a message because it's. I, th- I feel that we've kind of lost uh, the essence of what music should do. Uh, because back in the day, and I've, I've, I'm happy to have to have um, uh, experienced that when I was younger, uh, you would buy, you would go to the store, uh, you would buy a record, uh, you would have to put it on, and, uh, and after that, you'll definitely, or you would definitely put it on again because you had you had paid all this attention. To it or like invested in it in time and money, Uh, so you you you, you'd kind of um, make the effort and you you you'd put energy into listening to a new band, and we've we've very much lost that with with streaming I think, Uh, and even though I love obscurity, I feel that people uh, listeners are tend to listen to stuff that's really popular uh, uh, sooner than listening to something that's that's still obscure or undiscovered or. Uh, so it changes our experience of music, I feel. So I wanted to create something where people would have to do something, like they had to have to make a same a similar effort or an effort to um, to pay attention to something, real, genuine attention. So the ritual is a way of uh, actually demanding people to to uh, uh, to pay a, a form of attention. And it's the same with the show. I mean, um, uh, you know, selling tickets for shows, uh, especially also when you're like a beginning act. And, and I, I've had... Uh, the uh the joy and and i'm, I'm very blessed with uh, starting out back in the in the in the zeros in, in the 2000 years and then moving into the 10s um and 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 having like a sort of steady career in in europe at least with a lot of shows and a lot of people are buying tickets for our shows so whenever i do something now that, that will give me an opportunity of, of having audience from that um but for new acts it's not so uh, it's not so simple. So the thing that I also try to convey with the dance movements at the beginning of the show is I actually ask people up front, just in front of the show, like before the show starts, I want them to, um, yeah, to pay some attention and to do something that they, uh, you know, usually you would do it like halfway through the show or something, but now it's something that they do uh, to start the show with by way of, it's a way of, of yeah, if, of sort of, what can I say? It's instead of buying an expensive ticket, they, they give their attention. Um So that, that's kind of kind of what I've tried to, to do with with that in this project.
0: as strange as it may seem, that's that's the essence of it. Well, I think it's super smart. you know, I think attention in today's world is the greatest currency that there is. because really everybody used to say it's time and it, it is time. Time is the number one currency, but a very close second is attention. Uh, you know with with music, there, there's so many different hustles that you can partake in in music, whether you're someone behind the scenes, you're a producer, you're just a straight up songwriter. I live in Nashville. So I'm in like ground zero for the music business in the US. And Nashville, it's, it's a lot of different scenes. There's like a big rock scene here. Of course, there's a huge country scene. But country music's really like the last bastion of music that has a built-in audience, like it's it's a built-in audience because uh, country music is a lifestyle brand. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting to kind of watch that because there's all these kind of at least in Nashville, there's like the East Nashville scene, which is probably more similar to the music that you and I like and play, uh, which is more a little bit more indie rock. Um, which indie rock is really a catch-all term for funk, R&B, so stole, much. Yeah, even uh, Americana, which is huge here as well. But it's a catch-all term for people who play instruments together on stage now.
1: Yeah, and that that has become some sort of niche, you know, where it feels as if it's like like 10 years from now, pop will be like, or indie will be like jazz. Well, uh, uh, when I was younger, that was something that was inconceivable. And I think that part of it is uh, the fact that uh, it's all free. I mean, it's it's um, you know with, with streaming music has become so easy to um, discover in ways, but it's also been become very um, you know effortless. So if if you don't have to invest that effort or attention, then uh, why bother? I mean, I mean it, it doesn't really matter if you if you if you turn the track off, you know.
0: Well, going back to kind of what you were saying before about being like having to be an active listener and dedicated to music. There's a bunch of music that I am in love with today that the first couple of times I, I heard it, I didn't really like it. You yeah. know, um, like Arctic monkeys was a band that was like that for me, yeah. where um, there was this girl that I had a crush on when I was in high school and she loved them. And I was like, fuck Arctic monkeys, fuck Alex Turner. Uh, but a couple of years later, I really fell in love with their music, but it was because I had slowly exposed myself more and more to it. The other thing that happened was I saw them live on a tour, I think in 2011 or 2012, when they opened up for the Black Keys. Oh, wow. And then I just fell in love with them because they sold me as a live band. So then I got super yeah. into them. But I, I think there's something to be said for really spending some time with music. I mean, th- there's just... Music out there that I don't like at all, and I never will like. But yeah, but for somebody else, that's their thing.
1: The essence of I think the essence of of, of music is the two elements you just mentioned. It's it's attention and time. And um, um, I mean, I, I remember not, not liking Leonard Cohen when I was younger, uh, and I, I didn't like his voice. And then a few years later, I, I put on a, a record, and I was totally blown away. And I think when you look at artists like uh, also Bowie, I mean, I mean, such. A, everyone holds him in high regard, but the essence of Bowie also is to give him some attention because if, if you just listen to him for, for like once, most of his music is not really, it's not uh, one-hit-one or stuff, you know, it's, it's yeah. stuff that you have to to delve into. And then from there, you can uh, discover all the, the finesses and all of the sort of smaller elements that will, will, uh, will, will surprise you uh, spin after spin. But uh, I think that's, also, what what I've been aiming uh, at with this record is, is is I like records that take time. I mean, uh, yeah, I like it when when songs. Uh, I just love it when records are not fun for the first time, but like after after a second or third time, yes. you kind of feel like ah, this is so. This is where the songs uh,
0: intertwine, or this is where uh, this is how the song works. A slow burn. Definitely. Another band that comes to mind when I think about that. For me, is is Steely Dan. Like the first twenty times, I didn't understand Asia, the album at all. But I think it was Josie. Do you know that song? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. One, yeah. Um, but it was that song. I think for whatever reason, it just finally clicked. Where I was like, oh, they're basically rock musicians just trying to fake being jazz musicians because they really want to be jazz musicians, but they have to hire all these jazz players to actually do it. Yeah, to get there, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I like that. It's, uh, it's also
1: because some of those songs are so... Um, they're all good songs, but they're not... Um, I mean, I think our brain works like that because it's its its, it's a fun thing. If, if I would play a song for you, like a simple chord progression, and and I would... Play some very strange chord in the middle. The first time you'd hear it, would totally strike you as as something you would be like saying like, "That's off, man." But then when you would hear that on repeat, and you would get used to it, you would kind of kind of like that strange chord progression. You'd be like, "Ah, that's a cool thing to do." And I think that's the same with like Steely Dan or um, well, Arctic Monkeys have have, have made records of that like that. But I mean, uh, Suvian Stevens uh, does that a lot. I think uh, Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan does it a lot um, and it's, it's that, that sort of thing where you're surprised, I think, at first, that will later on be something you cherish. It's, it's um, um, and that's it another sort of strong, um, I'm convinced that imperfection is much more interesting than uh, perfection um, and that's also, I think, something that's, that's very much in this record. I've worked with a pump organ uh, that was actually um, shipped in from the, the States. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's from, it's, it, they came from Chicago, those pump organs. Okay. They were um, uh, manufactured, uh, this one was manufactured in 18, between 1863 and 1865, so in the period of American Civil War, which is <laughs> way back.
0: Very interesting time in American history.
1: Definitely, and they would ship those pump organs to the, to, uh, the Netherlands in Europe and they would cost uh, a year's salary of a, of, uh, of a factory owner. So those, wow. yeah, those those organs were really, really expensive. It was like buying a Tesla back then. Uh, and they were very popular because it would show you that you were very sophisticated if you'd be playing uh, a pump organ. Um, and I, well, I, I got that pump, pump organ and um, it was totally, totally out of tune. Uh, and actually many friends of mine said that, that they asked me why the hell do you have that thing in your studio and I was like I, I like it when you play it it's like as if they as if the instrument has lungs it's like a piano with lungs, um, but since we're out of tune it's very difficult to work with it musically, um, but then I simply decided to build songs around uh, an out of tune pump organ, um, and that 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 for me it, it changed my way of of looking at, at uh, dissonant dissonant tones, so so false, so out of tune sort of uh, tones, and also sometimes I had to de- detune other stuff. So I had to tune down guitars to be sort of uh, in you know, the in ballpark. Tune. Yeah, and 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 um, and I would be surprised, for instance, that the progressions that I would play on the pump or organ were. Totally not what I was doing on the on it. So 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 when you would play a C to an F, it would turn out to be like a, a D to a, a B on the on the guitar. So it it, it totally opened up a new world of um, of composition and confusion for me. Um, so so yeah, I mentioned that because we we went from imperfection to oh yeah, and the, the slow burn elements of of music. And also, what I, I like what you say about Steely Dan uh, hiring the the jazz musicians because. I didn't have the money to um, to fly an orchestra, and I, I, I wanted to, this record to be, you know, theatrical and to have some sort of elements of the orchestra in it. So I had to find ways of of building a sound that that kind of sounds like an orchestra but isn't an orchestra. Um, and um, well, the pump organ and and, and um, some other instruments that I used um,
0: helped me to to fake the to, to create the illusion of an orchestra. Well, it makes it sound like a uh, like an orchestra full of ghosts. You know what I mean? Nice, I like, like that. It, because it, it it is kind of like a little bit weird and a little bit out of tune. I just picture like uh, the Shining. You know, in the Shining, I I picture like that or like an orchestra from from the Stanley Hotel playing in the background. Nice, it's kind of a little bit spooky. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely, yeah, and it has a spooky, and that's what I, what I mean with the lungs. It's as if, it, it, it it's a very, um like the pump organ is an instrument that has this sort of stretched out sort of sense of, yeah, it's a spooky, uh, ghostly uh, characteristics that, yeah, so I I, I like that, shining, <laughs> yeah, the orchestra plays the shining, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, it, uh, that's one of the things I love about music in general. It's just like, we're kind of talking in specific terms about, artistry, you know, like everyone you've mentioned so far and everyone that I've mentioned so far are people that are artists who go through these career changes. I mean, Bowie's a perfect example of that. He had like 10 different phases Mm -hmm. um, based on where he was in his life. And I think like as an artist, life never really stops for anybody, no matter what you're doing. And once you're going through changes, and there there are artists, I mean like a c d c they're a c d c that's their sound yeah, you get what you get what you want, and it's yeah, yeah they'll and deliver there's, there's something to be said for that, but I personally like all of my favorite artists are the ones who go on the journey, you know, and they kind of take you there, like Leonard Cohen is someone that you mentioned, Leonard Cohen was never someone that I really understood quote unquote you know yeah. it's it's almost like you have to uh develop taste as time goes on, and maybe, maybe it's a little bit snooty, I will admit. Yeah, but,
1: um, but it's, it is a fact, I think, you know, it's, yeah. um, and the fun thing is that it's just like So what you're saying is, is I think, um, like the artist, you just you you develop yourself. So that's why you are able to kind of get it. You know, it's, it's the same with the Beatles. I like my wife. She always says, like, why do you play those first records by the Beatles? You know, the 62 uh, very poppy sort of stuff. Uh, because it's it's so um, it's kind of boring you know but i'm like yeah but it's i i like to hear it because it shows their the development into the later stuff so when i play the first stuff and, and then after that i play for instance um stuff from revolver i'll be like oh man these guys i mean they went from from this to that in like three years uh simply thank because, you acid well, yeah, and they're taking acid, and but they, they, they developed, you know, and, and um, I think another important influence for me in that respect is uh, Tim Buckley. Um, Tim Buckley is one of those guys who started out as a songwriter, and then, uh, you know, he he, he went, uh, he took really strong turns each and every album that he made, and I think it has to do with the fact that as an artist, you develop yourself as well. So you can either choose to, to do that, what you've done already, or, and this is also why I do... What I uh, described earlier, I like, I'm like a different person every three years, uh, musically and also on basis of the, the books and the novels that I read. So um, that's why I chose to um, release projects under a different name uh, every time I do a release, which is for some people think it's very strange, but it's similar to um, I'm inspired by the, the Portuguese uh, poet uh, Fernando Pessoa, okay uh, who, who who had this concept of patronyms so he had like like 20 names he would write under like pseudonyms to write under um but I'm uh Bonnie Prince Billy um uh, the, the songwriter you, you I bet you know him Bonnie Prince Billy uh, I don't know
0: if I do what what are some of the songs hey, he's written
1: um uh, I see a darkness is one of his songs he, he's um Will Oldham he's he's this uh he's also a sort of an indie legend from the um back from the uh, 90s, Uh, and and in the 90s, he acted as uh, under the name of uh, Palos brothers.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: But actually, he's an actor as well. And he once said that it's strange that in music, we we choose to work under one name, because he also has this uh, view or perception where he says that uh, if you're an actor, like if you're Brad Pitt, you'll be playing uh, a character. Uh, just for, for a, s- a certain period of time. And after that, you'll just be Brad Pitt again. And with music, it's kind of similar. You know, when I'm I'm Frank Bond, but when I'm I've become Francis Blake with this record. And with the previous record, I was Alain Fournier. And uh, with the next record, I'll be Tesla Twain. And and those are all uh, uh, personas that that fit me well. But I choose to to be them. And similar with Bowie choosing to be uh, Ziggy Stardust for just a bit. But you'll have to you you have to be able to also. Uh, detach from from that part because otherwise you'll be um, you'll be playing that part forever and and so that's the way I, I approach um, my my record making um, uh, so I'm happy
0: not to be Francis Blake all the time. Uh, yeah. No, I I totally know what you mean. So when you start writing, is does do these characters just come to mind or is it something like? you write a couple of songs and you're like, okay, I'm starting to head in this direction. What is this?
1: Yeah. Um, well, at first, I mean, th- those characters, of course, didn't exist, you know, but slowly I discovered that I, I write certain types of songs. You know, I mean, I, I won't be able to write death metal. You know, that's not... I just won't be able to make it. Yeah, yeah. But, but I discovered that I made some sort of, yeah, power pop songs that, that really... And those are Tesla Twain, so... And I kind of started to label them, discovering that, but then I also started discovering sometimes that songs simply turn into other personas or I'd have uh, three different versions. So for this record, for instance, I have alternate versions done by the others, which is also kind of funny. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it's because then you, 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 you have, you know, I can pick. And, and for, so some of the songs that ended up on this record were initially part of that, the, the Tesla Twain uh, record. So that's kind of, uh, so I never start and write and think like this is, I'm going to write a song for. It just doesn't work that way. I discover sometimes that a song has to, or it, it takes me to, and even in the production, it can change.
0: Well, it's similar in a way to what Bob Dylan does on every single tour where he rearranges and reworks all of his songs.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I, and Bob Dylan, of course, is you know, you can't, he's like the Beatles. I mean, he's, he's such an important, uh, uh, influence, definitely. I, I, I also like the way that he, you know, he simply states, actually says a similar thing, saying, like, why would I play those songs from the 60s? It's, it's that's not me anymore, you know, and the times have changed, and I am a new, or I've been, I've become a different person. And uh, I also think that songs are, uh, of course, you know, he's, he's, re- he's written hits and, and, and stuff that, that, that was very relevant then, and is very relevant still. But as an artist, I think he's, he's very right to say that, that he, he's, he's allowed to play them, uh, whatever the, uh, the fuck he wants, you know? That yeah, he, absolutely. You no, know, and that's, his, 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 um, so I kind of like that. I think that's a cool approach that he takes.
0: One thing I kind of wanted to talk to you about, um, you, did you grow up in the Netherlands? Yeah, yeah, I, I grew up in the Netherlands. Yeah, near Amsterdam in the um, yeah, slightly more suburban, rural area next to Amsterdam. Okay, yeah, so I'm I'm kind of curious about being a musician and growing up as a musician in that area because a lot of the musicians that I've had on are from the States and the experiences are pretty similar, but I'm so curious to hear about like, what was it like to start playing music and like what is this scene like and what is the hustle like there? Yeah, that's a good question. I like that question. I think
1: um, so... As you've, meant, as, you, like, as you've noticed, I'm, I'm giving long answers. I hope you're okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. Give yeah. As
0: long as answers as you want.
1: Okay, so the, the, the cool thing about the Netherlands, I think is that it's, it's known for being a great sort of club country for, uh, for acts from, from abroad. Uh, so since I, I live uh, near to Amsterdam, I, I had the opportunity to develop myself as a songwriter and also see a lot of bands from all over the world who would come over to play in Amsterdam. So that was something that, that, that made me give this sort of sense and idea of, of being part of uh, whatever happened in the world. You know That also happened, of course, with the internet because uh, let's be honest, I mean, I, I downloaded a lot of music uh, before I bought it. I did uh, Yeah, and it gave, gave me some, it, it allowed me to not have to, having to go over to Amsterdam to record stores or having to go to all these fairs to buy records and just sometimes Uh, discover some new stuff by downloading first and then like Fleet Foxes or um, um, uh, Iron and Wine, that sort of, you know, records, Beirut. And then Vampire Weekend, uh, Yeser, all those great stuff. Love Vampire Weekend. Yeah, I mean, discovering that and then seeing them, uh, like sometimes literally the next day in Amsterdam on one of those stages, it was just incredible. But then the Dutch scene, like the scene in the Netherlands was at that time still... I think very much in development so the artists were usually what I call afterbirths of of acts from abroad so then Dutch bands would try to sound like Vampire Weekend but then they would only like come up like three years after so you'd be like oh my god why do we need another like Dutch Vampire Weekend while Vampire Weekend has already long moved on Um, so that was kind of sort of I think um, sad to see and that still sometimes happens so America is like and and the UK are very important uh, uh, sources of inspiration for what happens in the, in the Dutch scene. But then I think the last 10 years that has changed and, and there's, theres there's been some really cool acts that have taken artistic uh, uh, you know made artistic choices and um, um, but I must so, so all in all I must say it's a really good scene in the Netherlands since there's a lot of stages, a lot of um, opportunities to see bands from, from, from all over the globe live, all of great festivals, and for me, that, that has helped me a lot to uh, you know, discover what I like, to discover what I, I don't like, uh, and to discover some sort of like vision. Because I, I do feel that although I feel very much connected to the US and to the UK, because I've grown up with like a lot of uh, cultural um, um, you know, products and, 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 and art that has come from, from, uh, from those um, uh, regions, um, I do see see myself more and more as European, you know, and that, that sounds strange, but I I do also feel this very strong connection to um Portugal, France, uh, Italy. And it has kind of changed my way of looking at what I do. I, I do actually do really see myself as a as a Dutch artist since since especially with COVID also, like time and place. Oh yeah. Um, we're chatting now and it's really incredible that, that you're in an America and I like in the Netherlands, which is just, you know, and this is closeness, like that, that's, that's incredible. But the reality is, of course, that I'm, I'm really in the Netherlands and, and I can't change that I'm, I'm here. So I, I started to appreciate my own surroundings more and more in the last few years. And that has really echoed or made its way into my music. Um, and yeah, and one last thing I would like to say is that touring is also pretty cool in, the, in uh, Europe. I've never toured in the U.S. I've done tours in the UK, and you, you, the UK is really cool, but um, you know, they call it a toilet tour. Uh, you know, When you start out in the UK, you have to do a lot of shows that are just not, not great, and the hospitality isn't that great either. You know? And uh, in the Netherlands, it's really good, the hospitality, so we're kind of spoiled. Um, but I've done tours in uh, Germany, which is incredible as well, and uh, like really positive, you know? so no toilet tours there. And we've been to uh, Italy with my band, uh, and my band's called Alaska, uh, like the state, but then with the sea. Um, and we've done tours there uh, several times and um, uh, touring in Europe is really incredible as well. Uh, and I've never been to the States, but I, I really do think that um, it's so cool to be in the car for like three hours and then being in another country uh, yeah. with, 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 a, with, a, with a culture that is usually has a lot of similarities and also enough sort of differences to be uh, very interesting. So that's that's one of the things that I think is a, is a blessing. In, uh, Europe, you know, that, that there's so many different cultures, and at the same time, they're, so, um, they're still so interrelated on the basis of, of history, and, and, and um, so yeah, so like a really long answer short is, I think there's a really cool scene in Europe, and that it's still, still growing, um, and that's um, also important, I think, to, to, um, to realize that, you know, that, that, that I think, I, for me, it has really benefited me, See that I'm 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 Dutch, um, uh, and and it also it's part of my music and of my of the way I look at, at at stuff and things.
0: Oh yeah, I mean we're really just a product of our environments at the end of the day, you know. Yeah. I, I think it's a mix of nature and nurture, but I think that it's good to acknowledge like where you come from and how it shaped you. I've I've personally. Like I was born down in Florida. My dad was in in the Navy. We moved up to Maine when I was a kid. Um, And then like after I graduated high school, I lived in five states in five years with Tennessee being the last place that I've landed. Um, And each of the places that I've kind of lived, it taught me a little bit something about life because America is a a huge country with a lot of different cultures, but a very similar mindset in most places. Yeah, And I'm sure like just human nature in general, I think anywhere you go, city life is gonna be different from country life. Definitely. And I feel lucky to have been able to kind of experience what both of those are across a wide spectrum, you know? Cause like, for instance, I spent my childhood down in Miami Miami is like an international city in America. There's every culture from around the world there. Like anybody who moves to the US, it seems like a catch-all is Florida, like South Florida, because you have Cuba right there and you have all of the uh, the refugees and immigrants coming over from Cuba, um, a ton of people from South America, a ton of people from various African countries. And then also the other interesting thing about Florida is that there's a bunch of people from all over the US who move to Florida. Because Florida is kind of like, it sells this lifestyle, you know, that it's great if you're rich, like if you're able to be rich and live down on the beach in Miami, it's awesome. But if you're just a a working class Joe Schmo, it's not fun. Okay. (laughs) But I'm sure you've seen like the different memes online of like Florida man and all of that. I know them all. Yeah, I I kind of felt hesitant to go into all those cliches about
1: Florida and and Miami, of course, but I I bet they're all, they're all true. They're there, you know, they exist because probably they're true. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's interesting too, like for me, like the kind of music I'm into, I love, of course, like rock music is what got me to the show. Like, I love just like any of the stuff that we were talking about, what we've mentioned, but also, like I, have grown in appreciation for stuff like Afro-Cuban funk. Yeah, that's um, great. I got records of that They're lying here. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, but it's 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 so interesting because like every culture around the world has their own version of music. You know what I mean? Like they could be beating like a cattle skin drum and singing like whatever over that, and that's their form of music. Um, And then, of course, you know, in kind of like the Western world, we have all these electric instruments, just different things like that. But at the end of the day, music really tells the story of a culture, Yeah, like a bigger picture. That's what I think it really does. Yeah,
1: I I I think what you you say is so accurate. I mean, and that's also what I was trying to convey, yeah, because, because I feel that it makes sense that we've been that, that, that like all over the world uh the american and and, and uk pop music has had such a huge impact on on everything that's happened um but i also feel that there's like developments where everyone is like yeah tr- sort of like coming back to this and discovering like hey you know this, this music's great and it's like the pop elements are just just amazing um but like like who am i and where am i from and i think that's like sort of i think that's developing now and i, I, I definitely think that will Result in a lot of interesting records coming from all over the world, where uh, these blends of, of of cultural elements with with uh, the influences from the pop music that's been like, like I think mainstream and which has mainly been like U.S. and, and U.K. Uh, that will be a very positive. Uh, it have very positive effects on on
0: um, on music. Absolutely, I mean, just the the power of the internet, you know. The, and we started off talking about attention and, and all of that in time. It's it's really a double-edged sword when it comes to the attention thing. Cause it's like, yeah, we have these phones where we can easily get distracted. But if there's a rabbit hole you wanna go down, like one rabbit hole I've gone really far down that I'm super into, it's Italian music from the sixties and seventies, like Italian, uh, like score soundtracks. It was this one band, Mark Ford, do you know who they are? Yeah. Um, but just that, uh, because this one band played for like a million different artists backing them because they were just session guys. And the yeah. way I discovered them was through danger mouse Ma- danger mouse, yeah. and Daniel loopy when they did that album, yeah, right. Rome. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's an incredible record. Yeah. Yeah. But I
1: brought all those guys back together.
0: Yes. Um, without the power of the internet, I don't know if I could have gone down that rabbit hole. I mean, if it was another place, another time, you know, I would have gone digging in record stores to find it. Um, One of the advantages I had growing up too, there was this great local record chain called Bull Moose Music in Northern New England. And they had this, this software that they created early in the game that let's say you buy a neutral milk hotel record. Or something like that. They're gonna order three copies of the second Vampire Weekend record because you might be interested in that.
1: Yeah, that's just great. Yeah, that's also what, like AllMusic.com uh, helped me like discover a lot of these really obscure sort of country and and old country bands because they would be saying like if you like this, you'll also like that. And I was, and sometimes they're off, but when they're you know when they when they're accurate, they're just that's that's just that's just incredible.
0: Well, I think it it's important too, with music, whether you're listening or making music. I really like blending both the tangible like real life analog side of things, but also the digital side of things, mm-hmm. um especially in recording too. you know I, I I think it's cool to like limit yourself and give yourself tools, but you can make it a little bit easier by also, like if you're recording with a tape machine, well run it into a computer, that way if you get a good take and something happens to the tape, you're not completely shit out of luck. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, and, and that's like, I mean, that's, that's
1: stuff from the past. And I, I'm, I'm located with a studio, next to a studio who, who wears an engineer, you know, and he, he, uh, you know, he worked a lot with tape in his life. And he was like, you, you'd be totally crazy to work with tape when you have all these advantages of digital because it's, it's, it's too much work. It's just too much. Uh, there's a lot of risks and, uh, You know, so yeah, that that's this. That's I think we're blessed again to live in this in these times where, uh, you know, we're very. It's very easy to 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 mix analog with, like, the tape with um, digital uh, opportunities. You know, and that's um, that's just incredible. I I like, for instance, just to have like whenever a MIDI sound because sometimes you have to, like, MIDI sounds can be very uh, useful, uh, but they also tend to sound very, you know, crappy or like canned. Yeah, can. That's the right word. That was the word I was looking for. Yeah, and then I throw them to a tape machine. It's all okay, you know. And that, <laughs> uh, so that's that's one of these big advantages that we have, you know. Um, and um, so yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. And um, um, yeah, the, the Italian musicians. I, I wanted to say something about that. That's something that's fascinated me. That's um, um, Ennio Morricone. Oh yeah. So uh, he's he's a very big. Uh, influences on me, influence on me, and and we made a record with my band Alaska, and it was a record where we wanted to uh, incorporate our uh, alternative country and country influences. But then we were like, you know, it's totally not real and not not sincere to do and act as if we understand country, since you know the the Netherlands is a really tiny country uh, compared to. Uh, sort of the wideness and vastness that the country is about. So we were like, okay, so we're not going to be like uh, copying uh, or imitating uh, the country sound. It's not something we're going to do. And then, uh, since I, I grew up also with the spaghetti westerns, I suddenly realized that the spaghetti westerns—they uh, are the sound to like the movies uh, that have like really established our view of what the Wild West was like. Yeah. Absolutely, 100%. But it was made by two Italians. Yes.
0: Like the yeah. films were made
1: by Italians. It was shot in Spain. Uh, there were like f- very few American actors. Yeah. So it's totally inaccurate. And uh, then I discovered that. So the first thing is that like the sound of America, so, like the sound of the Wild West, was created by Italians. So yeah. that got me thinking like, hey, like actually that's, uh, that's ours. You know, the, your, that's a European element. So, that, so that's like. And then I also discovered that, especially at the beginning, uh, Morricone, they, he didn't have the money or the funding or the, like at all, like the budget, to have an orchestra. So all the stuff that you hear in like those early westerns, uh, it's very creative, where they use the voices and where they use the the early uh, tremolo sounds of guitars and the hand claps and stuff. They they he created his own orchestra. So uh, I have to mention him in 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 line with his record passages because. Uh, I'm, I'm always taking him as an inspirator whenever the funding or like the budgets are too low. I always think of how, like, how would Morricone uh, solve this problem? So for this record, he's definitely uh, someone I need to mention. But then for the uh, Alaska record, we, we ended up calling it European country, which of course is total bullshit. We kind of felt it was funny uh, and we combined those spaghetti western elements with the country elements that we enjoyed and the folk elements that came from our own um um influences uh that we that we've always worked with um and uh yeah i just wanted to say that 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 these elements show that i think um when the, when the budget is low or when you're uh, down and out not sure about a record you know how to to fix to get the sound you like oh yeah uh creativity is is really the thing that can in the end solve everything you know it's so that's that's kind of um, and that always makes me happy. So Morricone is one of those people that makes me happy because he's, he's shown that.
0: Yeah, t- absolutely, 100%. And like to piggyback kind of off of what you were saying, the thing I love about a lot of that music from Italy from the 60s and 70s is what they were really trying to do, like they were trying to, to do their own version of an American sound, like whether it would be rock, whether it be jazz, so they're, like, listening to them play, I think they're better than probably, like, the average American musician in that time period because they're doing all of these weird styles and genres, but they're putting this Italian spin on it that yeah. I feel like only they could have played that way. And I think yeah. that's what attracts me to it. I like that. I like,
1: I like this. I like what you're saying. I think it's, it's like a way of emulating, you know? Yes. And then, and that's, that's, I think, uh, that's all the same with Steely Dan that we, that we talked about before. Yeah. Like, emulating is very interesting. Because when you, like, for instance, like when we did the country, the old country record with my band, we, we didn't feel like uh, copying licks from Grant Parsons or, or from those Great Eagles licks or whatever you have. We felt like, let's not learn them by heart. Let's not try and, 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 and learn those licks. But let's emulate them. Let's try and, and make something that sounds Get like the spirit. it. spirit. Yeah, but it's still still ours, you know. Because yeah, sometimes yeah. you know the, you don't have your chops up enough, or you're just not a jazz guitarist. But you can still emulate the essence of what it, what's happening. And I think that's again uh, working with what you have. You know, it's like 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 <laughs> like making a soup with what you have in the in the fridge. You know, and I think that's um, I totally agree. I think that that's a really cool um, analysis of the uh, of that group that Morricona used. Yeah, they are yeah. emulating they're emulating all these. Uh, and what they also do, and that's also a, a thing I did for the for the for for this record, is they, I think they're looking for ways to, or Marconi is looking for ways to uh, uh, use music to catch an emotion. And and that's also a thing I did for this record. So there's one track, for instance, and, and a friend said to me, like, it sounds totally broken. Uh, and it's a song about sudden death. And, and it's, a, it's a song, it's the opening track, Storm Behind a Window. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, because this song is—is I—I is, is I felt broken and I feel broken, and it's—it's it's a song about like being broken. So I wanted to sound as broken as that, you know. I—it I, shouldn't be a polished sort of tight track because it's—and—and um, and that's definitely also something that I, I like from uh, for Tim Buckley, but also uh, Morricone. I mean,
0: uh, yeah. Well, it's translating that emotion. You know what I mean? I I think that's the most important because it's like we've been talking this whole time about things not being perfect. And it's like one band who did that really well is Led Zeppelin. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like they would leave all kinds of fuck ups in their tracks and it would end up adding so much character to the record. But that was because they had a great producer in Jimmy Page who had that insight.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, Led Zeppelin is definitely. We haven't mentioned them, but they are they are definitely a very big influence on me as well. Um, and and um, I remember a good friend of mine back in my teens, and he was a, like a big fan of Jimmy Page. He thought he was Jimmy Page was the best guitarist ever. And then he saw them play on, on a live DVD, and he was uh, disappointed. Oh yeah. And but I wasn't because I, I remember thinking like, man, I mean Jimmy Page is playing all this stuff on his own, you know, and, and he wouldn't have like twelve guitarists on stage. He would just kind of go on stage and, and, and every night, obviously, because you can see on DVDs and all the bootlegs that, 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 that like every night he was doing slightly different stuff because he was he was approaching it, for, it from that sort of um, so I wasn't disappointed at all. But I definitely think like on the records as well, they have this sort of uh, it's not all perfect, but it's all it definitely catches the emotion emotion of what every yes.
0: song is should convey. So, uh, where can people find your music at? How can they find you? Like, what's your social media? All that good stuff. Uh,
1: yeah, so they, they get, my record can be found on all the streaming platforms, ranging from Spotify to um, Apple uh, to um, Tidal. These uh, are whatever you, all the streaming platforms, and um, it's found under Tidal Passages and then Francis Alban, which is A L B A N Blake um and um um yeah and then on socials it's it's best found also on uh, either on um facebook uh francis album blake um or on instagram through the
0: um label which is called king Forward records awesome dude thank you so much for coming on can i play on the podcast uh blisters (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Okay, please do. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, man, thank you so much for coming on. Here is Blisters.